Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. We are uh, talking about being filled to the full. Can you take any more? Are you full yet? We, we want to be filled to the full. And so I want to go back. We, we were here in Philippians 4.19, and I, my, my Bible's still there. If you're there, if not, turn back with me because uh, I want to launch back from this base text, this foundation text that we've been looking at. And, of course, it says, My God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. The Weiss transla- translation says, My God shall satisfy to the full, satisfy to the full your every need. The Amplified Bible says, God will liberally supply, fill to the full, fill to the full. And that's the title of the teaching that we've been revisiting uh, over the last few weeks, fill to the full. This is the desire that God has for us because He is by nature a provider. We've discovered that in Genesis, while Abraham was learning who God is, he encountered in his relationship with God an aspect of God that he had not experienced before. And as a result of that encounter, he named the place that he met God as provider, he named that place Jehovah-Jireh. It was the place where he was asked to sacrifice Isaac. And at the last moment, when God saw that his heart was willing, he stopped the hand from completing the sacrifice, the hand of Abraham, and he said, I've prepared a ram in the thicket. And even before they reached that place, when Isaac asked his father, Father, I see the preparation for the sacrifice, but where is the sacrifice the sacrificial lamb, he said, God will provide himself a sacrifice. And God showed himself as the provider in that place because the ram was already prepared before Abraham and Isaac ever reached that place. Before his obedience, before they were there in the place to follow through with what God had asked of Abraham. God had already made provision along the path and that's why Abraham called that place. This is Jehovah Jireh, God who sees and provides. In other words, he sees ahead of every need. He sees ahead and upon my path he places provision. This is a name for God that is what we refer to as a redemptive name because it reveals His character. God had already identified Himself to Abraham as the El Shaddai, the God of more than enough. 
And yet this is where Abraham came to know personally God not only is he more than enough that he could, but in my life he provides. He not only has it, but he releases it into my life and provides it for me. And God wants every one of us to know him in his fullness. He doesn't want us just to know him as our Savior. While that is the entry point into our relationship, we know that he is the one who washes us clean. He's the one who sets us free from a sin nature and gives us a new nature in Christ Jesus. He is the one who has written our name in the Lamb's book of life. He is the one who has uh, prepared for us a covenant that makes us children and heirs of God. He wants us to know him in his fullness and it would be impossible to know God in his fullness if you don't know him as provider. He wants you to know him as the God who sees and provides. That there's not one thing he's led you into that he hasn't already made a way for you in it. That there's not one path he has directed you to that he hasn't already in that path made an abundant provision and an abundant supply. And he wants you to walk confidently into that provision. And he wants you to look for... The, the look for with an expectation. He wants you to anticipate his provision on the path. God has already given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. In Christ, he's not waiting to give it to us. He's not having to work to find it, to bring it to us. He has already supplied everything that we need. If we're on the path that he has for us, there's provision on the path. Amen? So he wants us to know him in this aspect of provider as one who satisfies to the full every need, as one who fills to the full. And then in this same, in this same text we find this phrase, according to his riches in glory. God will supply not in harmony with the need, not in harmony with the size of the need. God provides in harmony with his riches. He provides out of the size of his riches, not the size of your need. So too often people come and they say, well, God, I just need this little tiny need met. God's not interested in just looking at your need and pulling off just enough off of his, his role of financial supply, just pulling off enough bills to just cover what's on your need. That's not his way of doing things. Remember, he identified himself El Shaddai, the God of more than enough. David, who came to know God intimately to the point that God said, this is a man after my own heart. David came to realize God is one who causes my cup to run over. He never just fills my cup. He, he, he fills it to the full and crams it till it's overflowing. Amen? And so... When we see this phrase, according to his riches and glory, in the original Greek language, it means according to his own, 
privately alone. In other words, God is not pulling out of the general fund of the kingdom to meet your needs. God's pulling out of his own personal supply. He's pulling out of his pocket. He's not going to the general fund and pulling it out of the, the petty cash. He's pulling out of his own pocket and saying, according to my riches and glory, I'll meet your needs. Hallelujah. So we see that God is the source of our supply. He desires to be the source of our supply. He is not intimidated when we come to him and lean on him and depend on him. This is not to say that everybody should quit their job and just sit at home and believe God to rain money and dollar bills out of heaven because that's not God's way of doing. God blesses the work of our hands. Amen. He causes us to prosper in the things that we set our hand to. He, he wants us to be uh, operating in His system. But He wants us to do it out of His wisdom. Amen? So He gives us a system of seed time and harvest. He gives us a system of the tithe. He gives us the system of seed time and harvest. He, he brings the blessing to our lives through Jesus Christ, the fullness of the blessing is available to us and the blessing causes everything we put our hands to to prosper. Amen? And so I, I, I need to go back. We've spent a little bit of time just kind of touching on the blessing, but I need to go back to the blessing because it is the main system through which God is going to bring fullness into our lives. It is the covenant system that God has chosen to establish His wealth into our lives. When Deuteronomy 8.18 says, the Lord gives you power to get wealth, where is that power? It's in the blessing. The blessing is the power to get wealth. And so let's go all the way back and look at the blessing and uh, while you turn in your Bible to Genesis 1, 26, I want to just take a moment to share with you uh, something that has helped me um, as I have been uh, learning to depend on God as my provider. Because I made the statement, and I want to just reiterate this statement. God is not intimidated or insulted by us coming to him and depending upon him and asking him for his financial supply in our life. And that was something that I had to overcome because I felt like, well, I don't want God to think I'm just coming to him for money. He knows me better than that. He knows our heart. And as I said in the previous teaching, there is a safety. There is a safety mechanism on the blessing. If you're greedy, it won't work. <laughs> Greed stops it from working, right? Because if the motive isn't right, if the motive isn't honoring God and serving God and covenant reasons, the reason of the covenant, if that's not the reason, it's not going to work. None, we're not going to really operate the word effectively anyway. 
So I had to overcome in my mind thinking, well, I don't want God just thinking I'm asking him because I had so much need. I, I, we needed everything. Did, did, did you, have you ever heard Pastor Steele tell about the car we were driving that had uh, the, the, the floorboard eaten out right where the exhaust, which was broken, fed up into the floorboard of the car. And so by the time we got to church, everybody thought our kids were asleep in the back seat, but it was really the carbon monoxide coming up through the floorboard. And so it, it, in the summer, we could drive to church with the windows down. But when it got cold outside, although the, there was some heat coming up through that floorboard, it was still, it was still fumy. And so there were, there, were, there were times that we needed everything. We needed God's help financially. And I, I had to overcome that feeling of, well, I don't want God to think I'm just asking him to help me with money because he wants me to, to ask him. He would rather me come to him than to go to the world's way of doing it. He would rather me look to him and learn from him and find out his plan. And I'm so glad that I did. But I'll tell you something that really helped me. And, it, and this is a, a prophetic word that came out. It was actually from November 10th of 2011. And he was talking about the great storehouse. And this is uh, something that uh, the Lord spoke through Kenneth Copeland. And he said... I have a great storehouse. Much more has been stored up in the storehouse of riches beyond your wildest dream that I laid up for you before the foundation of the world. That blessed me. When God says that he has something stored up in the storehouse of riches beyond my wildest dream, and he laid it up for me before the foundation of the world. There's a supply for you that God supplied before you were even formed in your mother's womb. God had a supply for you. For your education, for your home, for your future, God has a supply for you. There's not one thing that you have in your heart as the destiny of God that God hasn't made a provision to pay for it. Amen? And he says this storehouse, this storehouse, he says much more is stored up there than what the church has ever called for. And then he said this, I've never held back on the church, says the Lord and the God of plenty. I've made it available to you. I put it in my word. I gave you a promise and I stood behind it with the blood, the precious blood of your Savior. But there has been a backwardness in my people about laying hold of the things that I have provided for you. Say, oh me. Oh me. He said there's a backwardness in the people of God about laying hold of the things that God has already provided. Would you say that's true overall? I remember hearing uh, Dr. Ed Dufresne make this statement. He said the Lord told him that 97% of the believers in the body of Christ were living below the blessing standard that he had for them. 
that according to what the Lord said to Dr. Dufresne, only 3% of believers in the body of Christ are accessing what God's provided. I still don't think I'm into all of what God has for me, but I'm on my way. I'm working on it. I've got an assignment. I'm on a mission. I'm looking for it. I'm calling for it. I'm speaking to it. I'm using my faith. I'm building my faith. I'm feeding my faith. I'm stretching myself because our buildings and our lands are I'm out of the abundance of the good treasure I'm storing up in my heart. I'm bringing forth lands and buildings. Are you helping me? Yeah. Out of the abundance of the treasure being stored up in your heart? Amen. Are you bringing forth some college uh, things paid for? Are you bringing forth some uh, 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 new vehicles paid for out of the abundance? He says that there's a supply, but there's been a backwardness in people laying hold of the things that have already been provided. But then God said this, there is a people in the land. I think I see you here tonight. There is a people around the world, there is a people strong and mighty, growing much stronger and much mightier and more bold to lay hold and put their claim of faith on the things I have laid up for you and it thrills me because it's been yours all the time. God says it thrills him for us to lay our claim of faith, to lay hold of these things which belong to us because it's been ours all along. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so because it is already in the provision, we need to become skilled in receiving from God's provision. We need to grow in our confidence that God is a provider. We need to grow in our confidence in how to work His systems of finances. We need to grow in our skill in diligence in sowing and reaping and not just sowing but sowing and reaping that when we, when we sow, we're releasing our faith. We're using our threshing instrument of the tongue to call in the seed that we've been... You know, I'll tell you something. The Lord's been dealing with me about how righteous my grandparents were. A a out of the, the people in my family that I knew, I know of, of my, mother, my mother's mom and dad, they went to church and they tithed. And the Lord's been dealing with me to claim the harvest that's still left in their fields. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Hallelujah. Do you remember when Harry and Cheryl Salem were here and they were talking about the, um, the, the medical bills that had acquired when their daughter was, uh, was fighting that, uh, the brain tumor? And they said, we were trying to figure out how are we going to pay these medical bills. It was quite a big amount. And the Lord began to tell her to call for the harvest of her ancestors to come to her. And as she began to release her faith for the harvest of the people in her family uh, that had already moved to heaven, but their harvest was still here, that God uh, opened up supernaturally mineral rights in their life, to it, mineral rights and some uh, property that they had, and the finances came in for them to be able to pay that. Praise God. That was supernatural leading of the Holy Spirit, but He was teaching her something to lay hold of that was already stored up for her. It was already available. Amen? 
So let's talk about the blessing. Have you got in Genesis to Genesis chapter 1? Let's look at verse 26. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created man in his own image and the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them. God blessed them and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I've given you every herb-bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat. That's still part of the blessing. The seed is part of the blessing. You have the opportunity to sow because you're blessed. The blessing is not a limited uh, container of supply. It includes the seed which takes the limits off. If you have seed, you know, if, if you know what to do with an acorn, you, you, you could have a tree or you could have a grove or you could have a forest. If you know what to do with that one acorn, if you are diligent with that one acorn, you can take the limit off and you could have as many trees as you can find ground to sow it in. Amen? So the limit has been removed by the blessing. In the blessing, God, God promises that your fruit will not cast its your your plant will not cast its fruit before the time he promises that the pests won't destroy and devour your seed so the blessing protects the seed and empowers the seed to prosper amen so do you see now why we can't just quit jobs and sit at home and just say well I'm believing God to meet all my needs he he says he has established the system of seed time and harvest to meet your needs. The blessing's going to empower, and so your job, he says, let every man work so that he may have to give. Right? Your job provides seed to sow. It provides a seed bin for you to begin a distributing uh, process into the work of God. Hallelujah. So, God blessed them with these words. And these words contain the power of the blessing. Just the same way that words contain healing. God's words can contain healing. God's words can contain peace. God's words can contain salvation. Every word of God is full of power. The words of the blessing contain the blessing. And that's how God took this desire to bless His people and manifested it upon their life. That's how he applied it. Just like you might have um, sunscreen in some lotion. 
you take that lotion to apply the sunscreen. You've got to rub that lotion on to get the sunscreen onto the skin. Well, God had to take the words of the blessing and apply those words of the blessing to get the blessing upon the people. Amen? And so he spoke these words. He distributed the blessing with the words that he spoke. And the power to be blessed is in these words. So in Numbers chapter 6, God wrote a special prayer for the high priest to speak over his people. And it was the words of the blessing again. In Numbers 6, 24, he said, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Nothing missing, nothing broken. That's a condition of your life. And they will put my name upon the children of Israel and I will bless them. So he wanted the words of the blessing to continually be active, revolving and rotating throughout the lives of his people, working and manifesting, increase, so that when you walk in the, into your job, the blessing is, is just rotating. It's, it's at work. It's, it's active. It's operative in your life. And you walk into your job and you get favor. You get unprecedented favor. You get manifestations of favor. You get raises and bonuses, increase. You get, you get opportunities. Amen? Wisdom comes to you. Understanding comes to you. Why? Because he wants that blessing to be constantly operative in your life. Amen? So when Jesus redeemed us, he returned us to the fullness of the blessing. Galatians chapter 3 Two different places in this one chapter that I want to look at. And the first one's in verse 13, Galatians 3.13. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Christ has redeemed. And that word redeemed means to purchase. It means to he's, the price has been paid. The purchase price has been paid. He has redeemed us from the curse of the law. The word redeemed, I believe this is the word agorizo in the Greek language, and it, it refers to the slave block, an auction block, where they uh, auctioned off the slaves. And when Jesus purchased us, he paid the, price, the highest price to purchase us. He didn't negotiate and try to get a cheaper price and he didn't see if he could talk them down and, and see if he could get, you know, uh, 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 get them to, to, to lower the price. No, he walked in. He found out what the highest price was to be able to redeem you from the curse and he said, I'll pay it without hesitation, without any qualm about it, without any regret. Jesus laid down his life and he purchased you and that's the price that he paid so that you could be liberated from the curse. He paid this price of laying down his life so that the curse would not have any power to bring lack into your life. 
so that the curse would have no legal authority to bring tight spaces financially into your life. Devouring, stealing from you. He redeemed us from the curse. He redeemed us from the curse. How did He do it? Being made a curse for us. God wanted you and I blessed so much to the point that He sent Jesus to receive the curse that we deserved. The curse that was operative in our life, Jesus took it. That's why we can resist it. Now, let me tell you about the curse. It is a trespasser. And if you don't raise up a resistance, it will trespass. It will trespass even though you're blood-bought. It will trespass even though you are God's own child. It will try to trespass unless you say, No, no, no. No lack in my finances. No curse in my house. Only the blessing on this car. Only the blessing on, on this equipment. Only the blessing in this family. You're, you're going to have to verbally authorize the blessing and resist the curse. If you see the curse start to trespass, pull out your deputy badge in the name of Jesus and you go speak to it and explain you're leaving now. I'm not going to let you camp out here. No, no one night with the frogs in my house. You remember what Pharaoh said? When do you want me to get rid of the frogs? And Pharaoh said, tomorrow. So he spent one more night with the frogs. No, I'm not going to have one night of the curse hanging out in my finances. Amen? Amen? But we've got to resist it, and you can't resist it if you don't know that you've been redeemed from the curse. So you've got to allow this verse to, to make a delineation in your life that this, because of this verse, Christ was made a curse for me, that marks the line in the sand. That draws that, that line. That, that delineates between where my life starts, the curse is not allowed on my property. Amen? Amen? He has redeemed me, being made a curse for me. Verse 14, that or so that so that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. He became a curse, redeeming me from the curse, so that the blessing of Abraham could come on me, could operate in my life. Isn't that how it says in Deuteronomy that the blessing will come on you and overtake you? That's how the blessing moves. It comes on you and overtakes you. It, it begins to, it falls on your life. It begins to, to uh, uh, saturate showers of blessings. Showers of blessings. God says, I'll cause to come down for you showers of blessings. Thick, thick downpours. Not a little, not a little soft rain. No, and we're not talking about rain. He didn't say showers of rain. He said, I will cause to come down for you showers of blessing coming on you, 
coming on you. I'm building your faith. Y'all are going to walk in. Y'all are going to walk into your offices. And you're going to walk into your places of employment. You're going to walk into your house. And you're going to have a whole new expectation. You're, you're going to sense the blessing falling on you. You're going to sense the favor of God opening doors and moving situations and causing people who've never even noticed you before, never even noticed your skill, never even noticed your diligence. But all of a sudden they're going to say, there's just something about you. It's the favor of God. It's the blessing of the Lord. Hallelujah. So in, the, in verse 29 of the same chapter, Galatians 3:29, it says, "If you be Christ's, I'm so glad I'm Christ's. I'm so glad I belong to Him. He purchased me. I'm His. If you be Christ." then you are Abraham's seed. You're Abraham's heir. You have an inheritance. Even if you were never privileged to have a, a natural inheritance of, of any uh, value or worth given to you when loved ones before you moved on, if they weren't able to leave you anything, you haven't been left out. You haven't been left out. You've got an equal portion of the inheritance Jesus has. The same inheritance Jesus has received, he's made you a joint heir. A joint heir. You know, I'm a, a, my husband and I have a joint account. That means I have as much access to his account as he has to his account. I have as much access to what's in that account as he has to what's in that account. It's joint. A joint heir means that you have an equal portion. Equal portion. That's the love of God. That's the blessing of God. And he said, if you be Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What is the promise? Well, Hebrews 6 tells us what the promise is. And not only does it identify the promise for us, but it tells us that we need to take this as a matter of importance in our life. Look at, at the instruction we see here in verse 11. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. Diligence about what? that every one of us would show diligence about what? What does God instruct us to be diligent about? He said that you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. He wants us to be diligent, not slothful. And the word slothful means slow to respond or negligent. He doesn't want us to say, well... Lord, if I could just have a little cabin on the corner of glory land. Lord, if I could just have uh, enough to barely make it through. Lord, if I could just have this. That's not being diligent and a follower of them who through faith and patience inherit the promise. He wants you to come to the table saying, Father, I'm going to receive everything you've made available. I'm going to make full use of every talent that you have placed 
within my provision. When I say talent, I'm not talking about skill or natural talent. I'm referring to the man who was given a talent and hid it in the dirt. He was given something to put into the kingdom and work the kingdom system with, but he did not put it into the kingdom system. Instead, he hid it and it never, it never flowed in the kingdom. God has made you an heir. He has given you promises, not for us to, to, to dig a hole and hide the promises in the dirt and say, I'm just concerned about what's here on my corner of need. But he says, I want you to get what I've put in your hand. I want you to take the promises that I've made yours. I want you to take the blessing that I've empowered you with. And I want you to use it for my glory. And I want you to go do business with my blessing. I want you to go do business with seed time and harvest. I want you to do kingdom business that will cause you to be a blessing so that I can have manifestations of my wealth on the earth. Hallelujah. Money is not here for sinners. God did not create these good things for sinners. They may have it, but they're not going to keep it because I'm working my hundredfold return. I'm working. I'm working. I'm working the system. Hallelujah. I'm working the system. And he said that there's going to come a day that the wealth of the sinner is going to come into the hands of the righteous. And I'm going to be found in that number. God's going to be able to say, Michelle's been working her seed time and harvest and believe in me for a hundredfold return and I can take it out of this, this reservoir of the wicked and put it into her hands because she's got kingdom business going on. She is abounding to good works. Hallelujah. And this diligence, show diligence, don't be slothful. Inherit promise. <laughs> Come on now. That just takes the whole, the whole uh, uh, argument that the enemy tries to bring. Oh, you're just trying to get money from God. You're just after God so he can bless you. You just want what's in his hand and not who. That's, that's a lie. That's a lie that he has perpetrated on so many believers to try to make them feel guilty about working the blessing that God made available not as an option, but as the, the flow of his covenant. It's how the covenant works. For me to say, well, God, I don't want to be blessed because I don't want you to think I'm after your money would be like my daughter coming in and say, well, Mommy, I don't, I don't want you to make me dinner because I don't want you to think I'm here just so you feed me. I feed you because you're part of my family. I provide for you because I love you. Amen? God's provision is not something that he is, is feeling intimidated about if you're seeking it. It says that those who come to him must believe he's a rewarder. We've got to know this is how my father's system works. His system is the system of the blessing and I'm going to be good at it. I'm going to be skilled in it. Amen? So the, the direction for us here is inherit promises. Don't be slothful. Be diligent. Go inherit those promises. And then he begins to talk about the promise God made to Abraham, which we just found out we have inherited. 
When God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. God, when he made this promise, he didn't have to swear. Why did God swear? Why did he swear and then give an oath over something that it was, it was his? I mean, that would be... It, 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 he, he, he said, I'm going to give this to you. And then he took it a step further. And just so you know, I'm, I'm making this not just something I'm saying, I'm swearing it to you with an oath on who I am. Because he could look for, he couldn't find, he looked. He looked and there was no one greater for him to swear by. So he swore on who he is as God. That means... If he could go back on his word, he would cease to be who he is because he swore on himself. Why did he promise and swear? Well, according to this scripture, he promised and swore so that we would be certain. Verse 17 tells us why he promised and he swore wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the unchangeableness, the immutability means unchangeableness of his counsel. He confirmed it by an oath. God wanted you to know this won't change. I'm blessed all day, every day for the rest of my life. I'm blessed in Christ. As long as I'm standing in Christ and I'm not moving. <laughs> as long as I'm in Christ, I'm blessed and God hasn't changed His mind. The blessing is working for me. The blessing is causing things in my life to bring into manifestation what God has promised, what God has multiplied, what God has increased. It's because I'm an heir of the blessing. And he says here exactly the words. Again here in verse 14 saying, Surely, this is the promise that you have inherited. This, is, this belongs to you. This would be like someone contacting you and saying, A multi-billionaire has left you an inheritance and you have to come to the reading of the will to find out what it is. And then you go to the reading of the will to hear the details of what has been left to you. The, the, the creator of the entire universe has included you in the will. And he gave you this right here so that without a doubt you know what is yours by inheritance. This is what God left you. These words. How did he give Adam the blessing? In Genesis 1.28, he put it in the words and he applied it to him with words. God made it a promise and then swore to this with an oath on who he is. Angela Mitchell, surely I will bless you. And in multiplying, I will multiply you. Each one of us can put our name. We can individually recognize this is my inheritance. He left the same to you, but he left the same to me. I'm not jealous of your blessing because I have one that matches. 
I have an equal share. This is my equal share to the blessing. This is my equal share of the inheritance, the blessing. Now, I have to yield to it. I have to bring my faith to it. I have to allow it to work in my life. I don't have time to get into all of it today, but we're going to see over this weekend how that every time God established the blessing in someone's life, they began to increase and they continued to increase. Every person who cooperated with the blessing from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to Joseph, every person who operated and cooperated with the blessing not only began to increase, but they never maxed out. They never reached a peak and then descended in the blessing. They increased and increased and increased till they went to glory. Hallelujah. It wasn't a one-time, one-time event. It wasn't a one-time multi-dollar uh, 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 multi sum that came in. It was a continual multiplication on the seed they were sowing and the work they were doing. But they never reached a place where they peaked and decreased. The blessing continued throughout their lives and then went on to their children. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that's God's plan for the blessing in our life. His plan is for us to learn to cooperate with His blessing and to understand its purpose and to, to grow in our spiritual maturity. I'm going to share this as we prepare to close. Um, this is something that the Lord spoke to me probably about a year and a half ago. And he said, riches, money and riches are substances that must be governed by spiritual precepts. And then he gave the examples, the fear of the Lord, spiritual disciplines. They must be governed. Money and riches are substances that must be governed by spiritual precepts. So a lot of times when people are first born again and they're not operating in love, they're not walking in love, they don't have developed their love walk yet, they're still walking in the flesh more than they're walking in the spirit, and the finances aren't as stable in their life because they don't have the spiritual precepts operating the blessing and operating the increase. They're not as diligent and disciplined in tithing and sowing and walking in love because those are all connected, right? And, and so the, the more we grow spiritually, the more we can handle money, just the wisdom of God alone. There are a lot of people who don't have the fullness of the blessing in operation because they still lack wisdom for what to do when the money comes. And when the money comes, it's, it's not, a, the wisdom isn't applied to it and it's gone as quick as it comes. That's not wisdom kind of money. The Bible says, according to wisdom, wisdom produces durable riches. 
riches that endure. The people that we see that we're going to look more closely at this weekend who had the operation of the blessing, it didn't leave their life as quick as it came into their life. You remember our, our scripture from Proverbs that says, treasure and oil, to, uh, oil and treasure to be desired is in the house of the righteous, but the foolish spend it all. So it, the same amount can come into both of their homes, but one is more wise and maintains the flow so that it goes in to the right avenues in their life, and the other being foolish just spends it all. So he said, money and riches are substances that must be governed by spiritual precepts such as the fear of the Lord or spiritual disciplines because these disciplines protect us from any dangers that riches could lead us into. The integrity of God, the compassion that God develops in us, honesty, diligence to the word, these are all necessary for us to have kingdom riches. For us to have kingdom riches. And that's what we want. We want the supply of God for His purpose. He's our provider. I don't want money because I want money to be my provider. God is my provider. That automatically puts me in the right frame of mind to receive from Him. Amen? Praise God. Did you receive tonight?